FM leading the conversation. Nothing conventional on the viewpoint. Songezo mapete on SFM. Jojo. Hi, Songezo. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I am doing relatively well. I can't complain. Thank you so much. You're quite enthusiastic. 3.30 in D.C. where you are. Thank you so much for joining us, ma'am. We do appreciate that. It's 20 to 9 this evening here in South Africa. You haven't been in a long time. That, of course, has to change only, of course, after this conversation. Tomorrow, a year since, get your knee off of Mike, the death of George Floyd. America in the last year, probably for the better part, in a better place than it would have been. Tell us now the progress, if you like, of the last 365 days insofar as it relates to specifically criminal justice reform. Well, uh, first and foremost, thank you again, Sangezo, for having me on to discuss um, such critical topic um, that we all know the world has been paying close attention to, in particular South Africa, a country that has dealt with similar history um, as the United States when it comes to race relations, when it comes to um, uh, white supremacy and also the oppression and suppression of people of color. Um, so, uh, so uh, again, I, I think that um, the fact that, you know, Americans uh, were unsure as to whether or not the police officer was going to be convicted after watching a video that clearly shows that this officer placed his knee on the neck of this gentleman, which led to his death, is problematic. Because the evidence mm. was right there. Anybody who, who has eyes, anybody who could see, could tell clearly there was a violation of someone's rights and there was a, a violation of the law, in essence. Uh, so, so we're happy with the outcome, but that's not sufficient. Because what needs to be ha- what needs to take place at this moment is that the George Floyd criminal justice reform legislation must pass Congress. Because the only way that you could really address uh, some of the systemic challenges within the police force across America is through legislation. So under this legislation, if passed, it would once end qualified immunity. And that is the protection that officers all over the United States rely on when they violate the rights of citizens. Now, I understand the other side to it. I understand sometimes when an officer enters a situation, you have to think quick. You have to make a decision quick to protect not just your life, but the lives of other Americans. I get it. I understand. But far too often in America, we see situations that could have been de-escalated by police officers, but yet result in the death of a human being, unjustifiable. That must end. So with the, with the ending of qualified immunity, it will strip away that immunity that police officers enjoy. And again, I know it's going to cause a lot of challenges within the police force, but I think it will cause police officers to think twice before they pull the trigger. Sometimes the trigger is needed to be pulled. pulled. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes it does not. It could be de-escalated through proper training that they have undergone through the police force.
And also, this legislation will make it easier to prosecute police officers accused of misconduct by lowering the legal standard from willfulness to recklessness. And also, it will prohibit racial, religious, and discriminatory profiling by law enforcement agencies across the United States. And there will be a number of, 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 other, of other benefits under this legislation that the Senate has not touched, right? It, it, it has not, it has not, the United States government has not done what it needs to do in terms of this legislation, particularly the United States Congress. Now, I saw that um, it appears to me that President Biden um, has invited the family of George Floyd to the White House, but yet um, I, I think Americans want more than symbolic justice. They want actual substantive justice that would ensure that every person in this country, regardless of your race, you have the ability to pursue life, liberty, and happiness, and you have the ability to live, and you have the ability to be treated with dignity. So that's where we are when it comes to George Floyd case here in America. Of course, all of that, specifically the reforms to which you referred, the legal reforms, to an extent will be guided by the attitude that is coming out of, one, the White House and of Congress. Specifically, Joe Biden's response in the days of leading up to his election in November last year, he was very much a passionate political figure who came through, if you like, for the Black Lives Matter movement and for the family in particular in how he received the news of the death of George Floyd, his continued support throughout the trial and how he responded to the conviction of Derek Chauvin after he was found guilty for third-degree murder, I think it was. Now, that has got a lot of weight insofar as it relates to how Congress will respond to the law and how that, at a federal legal level, will infiltrate the United States so that those specific reforms that are yearning, or rather the BLM movement is yearning for and has been yearning for, even the civil rights protests and movements before them, to an extent they'll find some fertile ground. Should, anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, I think the court case was, was critical because uh, we've made law, right? That's, that's what happened. We've made law. And obviously, I expect uh, the, the, the attorneys of, of the officer to appeal this decision. In fact, they've announced that they're going to appeal it for jury misconduct and so forth, which was, which was expected. Um, so it is, it is our hope that um, the decision will, will maintain as is. Um, and now it's law for the country. So, so we, we've, taken, we've taken some steps in the right direction, uh, but ultimately legislation must also be changed in America to ensure that um, Americans, in particular black and brown people in this country, can be treated with dignity when, when encountering, when, when dealing with police officers. Uh, because the use of excessive, uh, excessive force, that's, that's, that's the issue at hand. Uh, uh, because studies show that, uh, when officers come in contact with 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 white um, with, 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 with with white individuals, uh, they are less likely to pull the trigger. In fact, we have seen videos mm-hmm. where white people had weapons, were fighting police officers, and and get to walk away um, um, 
you know, without being dead. I think in one of the this videos you're referring to, Johanna, is well, it was in Minnesota where a young white gentleman who was carrying an assault rifle even got water from the riot police of Minnesota. And I think therein was a perfect image of the disparities of criminal law as it is applied in the United States, depending on your race. George Floyd is cuffed to the ground, knee on his neck, is pleading for his life, and there doesn't seem to be any response that looks to preserve his life, much less respected. On the other side of the same sort of protest movement era, there's a young white gentleman carrying an assault rifle, and he's being told to go home, please don't do anything stupid, and he gets himself a bottle of water from the right police. And I think therein is essentially the most graphic image of where, as a society, the United States comes from. Absolutely. So so it shows us that the police officers have the the capability to de-escalate these situations so that a person does not have to die prematurely, right? So so the capability, the, 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 the tools, the resources, they are there to properly address, uh, in, in, you know, these, these types of situations. But, but, but it goes back to the idea that your black skin has been weaponized. So you are seen as a threat from the get-go. So does, that does not allow you the opportunity to be in a situation where an officer will use judgment before he or she pulls the trigger. It's the color of your skin that has been weaponized in this country. And we see the same thing in South Africa during the apartheid era, and even today in South Africa, because the race relations in America and in, in, in South Africa is still very problematic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so reforms are great. Legisla- um, legislation are great. Uh, court cases are, are great. But forget it. What I think really matters here at the end of the day is the mind of men must change. And that is something that we can never legislate. No matter how great of a Congress we have here in America, no matter how great of a White House that you, you, you may have, no matter how great of the leadership within the police force could be, until the hearts and minds of men change in respect to how they view people who may look different from them, we're not going to go too far as a society. So I wish to take this moment to whomever may be listening, whether you are in the United States or in South Africa, to think about why do you have the thoughts that you have about other people? Where does your implicit biases come from? And check yourself. Do an internal assessment. Because this is bigger than just a police force. Implicit biases, it's in the school, uh, it's in the school system, it's in the employment practices, it's in the health sector, it's in the entertainment sector, it's in the law. It's within every facet of society. So we as human beings must sit down and assess and look deep into our hearts and say, why do I hate this group? Or why do I think of this person this way, but not this other person? And until we do that so gizzle, we're never going to see real racial harmony 
in America nor in South Africa. Here is a South African that you might as well have been speaking to in the context of asking individuals, wherever they may be, who are tuning in to check themselves and their attitudes. I'm going to read you a message that has come through on our WhatsApp platform, and I'd like you to respond to that person because I know she obviously or he would be listening. Open quote. Why is the person only mentioning one side of the story regarding Floyd's death? She should mention that he was so full of drugs, he would have probably died in any case. If he cooperated and listened to the police, no force was needed. Close quote. I'm not going to say anything more. That's a message that has come through to us. How do you engage in responding to it? You know, the unfortunate reality is, I don't care if George Florida was high on cocaine or meth or marijuana. That does not matter. What matters is that he was not a threat to the police officer. His death was not justifiable. There's no way you could have justified that because you had sufficient police officers to handcuff him, but you did not. You failed to do that. That's the issue at hand. Perhaps he could have died in the, of a drug overdose one day, but that does not matter. The issue at hand is that he died because the police officer had his neck on his knee, which led to his death at the moment. That's the issue. 2052, Miss Joanna LeBlanc is on the line, joining us from Washington, D.C. in the United States. Tomorrow marks a year since the death of George Floyd. We're having a conversation insofar as it relates to how criminal justice reform has now topped again the agenda in the U.S. Congress. Of course, this coincides with the changing of the guard in the White House from Donald Trump to Joe Biden. One probably cannot be in many respects regarded as a sympathizer to Black Lives Movement as well as George Floyd specifically and the opposite for the most part certainly would be true if how they engage the question of George Floyd and subsequent marches in and around the country of the United States may be to go around. The time is 2053. We only have her for another five minutes. She has to go. And perhaps I have to engage the question. There are respective responses of the White House. But specifically, it may be argued quite with some credibility that the absence of Donald Trump has gone a long way in the desired attitude, tone and reform of criminal justice reform in the United States. Or could it be completely wrong? No, I'm, so, 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 so I, I think at the end of the day, um, we are in a very critical point in America. Um, When you look at employment in America, when you look at housing, when you look at the health sector, when you look at the education sector in America, when you look at all the sectors, black people are at the bottom, Songhezo. The study, there is a study um, from the United States Congress that comes out every year on the state of black America. And that study, it is daunting. If anybody who has a chance, pull up the study to see how black people in this country, even when you earn a college education, even when you do follow the law, even when you do the right thing, you look at the pay gap between you as an educated black person and an uneducated white person. It is disgusting. You look at the housing, the, uh, the, the, the 
housing and home ownership between educated people in America and, and black people and uneducated white people in this country. Disgusting. So we are in a position to really make changes to ensure that people can properly contribute to this nation. Because you know what, Sonego? When we all win, it is better for the economic development of the nation. When we all win, it is better for America's global dominance all over the world. It is better for the American economy. It is better for the intellectual capability of this nation when we include everybody at the table, not just some, because we think they are superior because of the color of their skin, but when we include everybody, we can make America an even greater nation. So I'm going to stop here, Songhezo. We are at a very critical moment. We have to reassess and reimagine what kind of society we really want for the next 20, 30, 100 years, and so on. Thank you. Yeah, Joanna, thank you so much. I could sense the emotion coming through then. Perhaps this is a good time to stop. But thank you so much for the passion and the engagement by which you delivered your thoughts on what will clearly and most certainly be an emotional day, not just for the Floyd family or the african-american community but for peace loving law abiding citizens and progressive thinkers and human beings in the general sense in the united states and the world over and of course in the context of black lives matter the name escapes me for a moment but it is quite clear that whatever it is that they are doing is ruffling those right-wingers among us because we now know in the united kingdom one of the lead organizers and activists attached to the black lives matter movement there was an attempted assassination on that person's life. It is a developing story, and hopefully we can have something a little more concrete in time to come insofar as it relates to that story. And, of course, what Joanna perhaps could have spoken to, but for want of time and the emotions that were clearly overcoming her in the context of the story, 